Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. lot of the church. We are going to have our summer concert. It's all singing. And we have various groups, different uh, individuals that are singing. Uh, But it's out here in the parking lot. We are advertising this around the area. And we do need your help and cooperation in that. We would like for you to be here and be a part of that. Um, It is the end of summer concert. And uh, Sister Janae will be meeting immediately after the service with those that are already involved that have talked to her about being involved and helping out. And uh, we have several things that need to be done early that day. This will uh, start at 4 p.m. till 7 p.m. And uh, we do need your help in setting some things up. And then also... Uh, if you haven't got with Sister Danae and you would like to be involved, uh, please meet with her during this meeting today, and she will be meeting with those involved immediately after the service today. Also, we have uh, some flyers that we have made up. Uh, they passed several out in the area. We only have a limited amount left, and uh, if like to be able to give those to you, but it is very, very important that those that are the flyers that are left, that you commit to give each one of them out, uh, because these are the only ones that we have left. So get with Sister Janae on that, and uh, that will be a tremendous help in advertising this. We're going to have a fun time uh, music out on the parking lot of the church from 4 to 7 p.m., this coming Saturday. This coming Saturday. Everybody say, end of summer concert. Exciting time, something new we're going to try here, and I know we're going to have a good time in the Lord. We're going to take it beyond the walls of this church. We feel the presence of God in here, but we're going to take it out to the outside of this church, and it's going to affect, I know, the power of God as we sing and praise the Lord is going to affect this area and invite someone to come invite someone to come I know they will have a wonderful time as we worship the Lord together now a concert is not just singing and enjoy the singing it is worship it is praise unto the Lord so and that's what it's all about praise God but gets with Sister Janae after church the book of Mark chapter 14 verse 72 14, verse 72. And the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. And when he thought thereon, he wept. I want to preach to you on this sermon title something has changed in me something has changed in me I want you to point to yourself here today something has changed in me God bless you you may be seated I know that as we live life, there's a lot of changes that transpire on this journey called life. Um, I've almost lived 57 years, and uh, that's a long time. Brother Ayers, you do gather a lot of stuff in those years, 57 years. And uh, we took on this mentality of change. Now, we, we got the mentality of it, but we haven't completed it yet. But yet, we're 
me and my wife are looking for simpler life. So we're trying to get rid of some things, but it hasn't fully come around just yet. <laughs> we're working on that, trying to get rid of some things that we don't, you know, there's stuff, you know how it is, there's stuff in boxes that you haven't looked at for years. But you keep holding on to it because you think one of these days I'm going to need that. And then, of course, you know, you get to the point after 150 years you've had it in the basement of your house and you finally get rid of it and then you need it. That's kind of the laws of life, I guess. But there's a lot of changes that transpire in life. I can remember back uh, when I was a kid uh, some of the ways of life and cars and boats and uh, uh, all kinds of interesting things, just the ways of life. Uh, I remember an old dairy, it wasn't a Dairy Queen that we had, it was, I think it was called Tasty Freeze, and uh, it was a, a matter of fact it is a, a little uh, like a Dairy Queen that's used to sit on the property where Bass Pro Shop has bought up the whole half of the city in Springfield, Missouri, and and he used to be a, an old uh, Dairy Queen there. I remember my dad's car. It was an old 66 Chevrolet Impala Super Sport. It was a nice car. That thing just, it was like a, it was like a boat going down the road, just kind of glide down the road. I mean, the trunk was so big, we could have put our whole family in the back of the trunk. And I remember me and my brother would lay down in the seat, kind of stretch out. And uh, in the seat of that car, it was, it was such a, 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 a glider down the road but i i remember pulling out of that dairy the tasty freeze and and that thing set so low to the ground that every time he'd pull out he'd drag the back of the car out of the parking lot because it had a dip there just a lot of memories a lot of things matter of fact um i uh i know on the corner where bass pro shop has bought uh there is now a big fountain or big uh you know it's got uh, waterfalls and it's got deer statues on this stuff. And that very spot was the place where uh, my uh, grandma and grandpa owned a gas station. It was a Phillips 66 station there right on that corner. Bass Pro Shop now owns that. And But I remember the old, anybody remember Kitty Clover potato chips? Anybody remember? Raise your hand if you remember Kitty Clover potato chips. Well, they serviced all of the Kitty Clover potato chip trucks there. I mean, these were old, old trucks at that time. And, boy, it's, I just think back at those times now. I think about all the changes in life. There's a lot of changes that have happened in life. Um, I was at a uh, service call here the other day, and I seen hanging on the wall was an old catcher's mitt. And I hadn't seen one of those in years. But I remember in the closet of our house at home, my dad had an old catcher's mitt uh, that was an antique. I don't know where it's at today, uh, but that thing was always sitting in the, in the closet. Just It was old, old catcher's mitt. Things have changed. Life has changed. Uh, you know, as we go through life, uh, you know, there's a lot of changes to life. Uh, matter of fact, I look different than I did when I was two, three years old. Today, I look different. You might not believe that, but it's true. I I look different today because time has changed my life. Not just physically, but uh, life has changed in thinking. You think differently. You you uh, just look at things differently. You look at people differently. You look at uh, um, you know. Neighborhoods, different. You just look at everything, the job, everything differently than what you used to look at. And in life, changes come. Changes come. And when we make changes in our life, of course, sometimes changes come in good ways and bad ways. We can make changes for the sake of making changes, and it might not be the best for us, especially if it's not God's will for our lives. Some can be good changes, and some changes could be bad changes if we make them outside of the plan of God for our lives. Can I hear an amen? And sometimes people make changes in various ways. It's been said that some people will make changes when they see the light. I saw the light. I know I need to make this change, so I make that change. 
But then others change only when they feel the heat. The struggle comes. The pressure comes. And then they're forced into making a change. You see, there's a lot of changes of life. There's mood swings. There are changes of feelings about certain things that you didn't have a feeling for before. There's changes of relationships. There's changes of love. And when we're when our relationship with God becomes strained, then we start questioning God about why. Why this God? Why that God? Why did this happen, God? Why is that happening, God? And a lot of times we feel like, and you see it more and more today than ever before, somebody's got to put blame on somebody and make some kind of excuse of why we can't live for God properly or walk with God properly or commit like we did, commit to the Lord to do the right things. And a lot of times people put the blame on God. He's an easy place to put blame because God doesn't slap us down or doesn't talk back to us or whatever. We just put the blame on God. I've even heard people that, that don't even know God and don't even come to church Put blame on God. Um, but when we get to that point where our relationship with God is strained, we begin to blame somebody for it. We try to blame somebody, and a lot of times it falls back on God. Why, God, does, uh, uh, why don't you love me like you used to? Why, God, uh, is, are you not letting me feel the moving of the Spirit as strong as I used to? Why, God, do I feel that you don't care for me anymore? I don't hear you. I don't hear your voice. I don't, I don't know if you're even there or even around me. Why, God? Why is, why are you holding back from me these things? Why, why can't I flow in the Spirit like I used to? Why can't I pray and feel God like I used to? Why can't I pick up the Word of God and read it and be able to feel the power of the Word of God speak to me? Why, God, why aren't You healing me? Why, did, why God, did You allow me to get into this deep, dark hole of misery that I've got in? Why, God, did You do this to me? Why did You allow this to happen to me? You know what I'm saying? A lot of times we're blaming God for certain things. Why can't I have a strong relationship with God? But we must blame somebody as the feelings that we have for our failures and for our struggles because it can't be me that has caused this pain. It can't be me that has created this Environment or this situation, I've got to blame somebody for it. I got to blame family members. I got to blame neighbors. I got to blame. Uh, I got to blame the employer. I got to blame employees. I got to blame friends. I got to blame somebody because it's not. It can't be my fault that this has happened. But we got to blame somebody. Godly use God. God usually is the one that gets the blame. You're holding out. You're holding back. God, you're the one that's putting up the wall. You're, why are you doing this? Why are you holding back from me? Why don't you touch me? Why don't you answer my prayers? But when we blame God, it's, we think that's the easy way out so we can continue to feel good about ourselves. That it can't be me that has caused this. You're the one that allowed that person to deceive you into thinking that you didn't need God, but you needed them instead. You're the one that allowed things to clutter your spirit. You're the one that has allowed things to creep in. It's not God. God never changes. Uh, there's something that has changed within us at times. And I, and I want you to understand what I'm saying here is we go through the ups and downs of life and it's like a roller coaster. It, it, we, 
You know, we all, even pastor and pastor's wife, we've, we've had times where we went through those ups and those downs, but it wasn't God to blame for those. Matter of fact, there are times that God allows us to go through certain things of life for us to be strengthened. And we have to understand that. But there are times that we allow those ups and downs or those down times to get us to a point where we walk away from God and start blaming God for all of the problems of why we're not spiritual or why we're struggling or why we're having a tough time in living for God or coming to the house of God or, or, or walking with God. We have those times. I, I know that within a church body, uh, we, we, we all are at different levels. There's times that I'm up here and you, and you might be down here and, and, and we're at different levels. But then there's other times that, man, I come crashing down here and you're up here wondering why, hey, why aren't you getting up? Why, why aren't you rising up? And I'm thinking, well, I wish I could get up there. I gotta get back up there somehow. How did I end up here? How did I fall to this level of darkness and struggle and pain and hurt? And, and it's gotta be God's fault. God's the one who's had to have done this. Uh, He's the giver of, of spiritual things. It's gotta be God's fault. The Lord has laid these things upon my heart heavy here the last few weeks and, and uh, I, I, I feel like that we spend our lives trying to blame somebody else for the struggles that we have created ourselves. And today, within the body of Christ, we know that there are some that are up on the mountaintop and they're excited and things are happening. God's blessing and spiritual and, uh, 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 sensitivity is coming to you and a touch from God. But there are some within the congregation at times that we're down here and we're struggling and we're trying to find our way and, and wonder how in the world we got to this low point that we're at. There will be a shifting uh, there will be a shifting where those on the bottom, if they're really hungry for God and want to get out of that place, they're going to rise to that higher level. And then there might be others that are on that higher level might struggle and come down here, but it's just a, it, it, it's, it's a constant up and down. But it's, it's important for us as the church body to understand we've got to keep looking to Jesus. I'm pastoring today. I feel such a strong hunger and a burden for us to rise to a new level in Him and understand where we're at and what this thing called life is, this up and down experience, but also understand this spiritual experience of life. The ups and downs of spiritual life is a lot like the ups and downs of physical life. (laughs) But there's times that we create these situations that pull us away from God. It was our decisions that led us down that scary dead-end road. It was our decisions uh, and our choices that we made that allowed us to be in the condition that we're in. And when we look at the life of Peter, Peter had quite a contrast here in his commitment and his relationship with the Lord. Peter's love and relationship with God went from I will fight for you till death to a point where it says to denying him three times that he never knew him. (laughs) What a contrast. What an up and down experience that Peter had in his life. I mean, uh, Peter was gung-ho. I I, I like the character of Peter because when you think of Peter, you know, Peter's like... Uh, okay, if Jesus stands up and gets ready to speak, you know where Peter's at? He's standing right there next to him. He's ready to take it all in. Uh, if Jesus took a few steps, I could see Peter walking right over there next to him and, and getting buddying right up against him because Peter, that's the kind of character he was. He, he, he had to be wherever Jesus was at. He had to grasp every word that he said. He, he was a man that was hungry for God. He, he, he had that certain character about him. He was ready to die for him. He was ready to give it all for him. He's ready to lay it all down for him. But yet something changed within Peter's life in that event of spiritual life and physical life that changed him. It wasn't God's fault. It was choices that he made. 
Peter's past commitments. Listen to what he said in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Peter was talking to Jesus. Began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all. That was his commitment. In the book of Mark, chapter 14, verse 29 through 31, listen to what Peter said in his commitment. But Peter said unto him, Although we all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, the very day that he made the commitment that Peter said, Others are going to be offended, but I'm not going to be offended. But Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Peter said that. After Jesus said, You're going to deny me. But he spake the more vehemently, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all, making a commitment to the Lord. We made some commitments today to the Lord. And we say to the Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to walk with you. I am not going to be offended. I'm, not going, I'm, I'm going to be willing to lay down my life for you if... Uh, you know, and not if, but I'm going to lay my life down for you because that is what the desire of my heart is. But there's something changed within Peter. Something happened there within his heart, within his life. Somewhere along the journey of life, Peter changed in his commitment. Now, I understand it was the same day that that Jesus said, you're going to deny me. But he said, I'm not going to, even more intense in this, more vehemently, he said, I'm not going to be offended. There's a lot of changes that come in life to people. And a lot of times they, they will change in their love and a relationship. First of all, we know maybe it's not a right relationship. And they change in relationship. Or it might not be the will of God in relationship. And they change in time where they fall out of love. And there's a lot of things that come along with changes of relationship. One of them, of course, is immaturity. Because of immaturity, there's times that uh, that that our emotions change in immaturity. And as we get older, we make more solid commitments. The more mature in emotions, the more mature we get, the more our emotions become more stable. The more uh, relationships become more stable. It's the same thing with God. Immature, sometimes we get bored quickly with things. In our immaturity, when we were younger, of course, you know, we could have something, all of a sudden the new wears off of it, and we get bored with it, and we discard it. It's the same thing with relationships. In immaturity, we could get bored quickly with our love relationship, even with God. Ready to move on to something else, ready to move on to somebody else. And when you live for God for any period of time, Trust me, and you know, there's definitely no boring time in God. <laughs> Powerful things have happened. You can't get bored with God. Matter of fact, you come to the house of the Lord. You know, we do have a kind of an order of service. But you know, there's times that the whole order of the service just gets turned upside down. Because when God moves, we might have an altar service where we don't even have preaching. And, and the moving of the Spirit of God begins to move through here. Uh, and, and, and every service, there's something different. There is a sometimes a quiet spirit over the place. And people begin to weep before the Lord. Feel that deep sense of, of hungering for God and a touch of God in His presence. There's other times we got the shout. We're rejoicing. We're dancing before the Lord and shouting the shout of victory. And you know, and there's times it's kind of in between, but God doesn't always move the same way every time. That's what makes it exciting to come to God's church. And when His church and His Spirit is moving, there's no telling what God will do. 
within the church. It would be boring if it was just the same old thing over and over again and God didn't move. I would get bored. And I'm pastor. I would get bored. But I thank God that He moves in ways. In God, there's so many things that have happened. There's so many miracles that I have seen in my life, experiences. I just heard a miracle here just the other day. Uh, uh, Brother Dillon, uh, pastor in Canton, Mississippi, Brother Derek uh, Townsend was telling me about this. That he testified at one of the conferences they had there for home missions uh, churches. And uh, it, 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 he was saying that Brother Dillon, which is a fireball, he's wired up for 440 voltage. And uh, he, he's a, a wild man. He's a, he's a pastor there in Canton, Mississippi, a great man of God. And uh, he, had, he just got in church several years ago. He was new to the church and got a powerful experience in God. And... And uh, he said he felt God was going to use him in some way to save people's lives, to touch souls, to minister to them and win them to the Lord. And he was all excited about this. And he's seen a hitchhiker walking down the road, so he pulls over in his car and he picks him up. And the man sat in the seat beside him. And all of a sudden, uh, as he was driving down the road with his hitchhiker in his seat, uh, Brother Dillon uh, said he started feeling this spirit of death. He felt the spirit of death in the car come over him. He didn't know if he was going to die or if this man was going to die, but he felt like there was death in the car. And he was new to the Lord. He was just a, a new convert in, in the Lord, but he felt like someone was going to die. And he glanced over out of the corner of his eye to the man, and the man was glared back at him. And Brother Dylan said all of a sudden, he, he, the only thing he knew to do in feeling this spirit of death come into that car, he said there was a Bible laying on the seat beside him. And he said, I put my hand on that Bible. And he said, I started praying in a loud voice, God, I know that You've called me to reach souls. And I know that my life is not up just yet. And I know that you got things for my future. And he began to cry out to God and pray and cry out to the Lord with his hand on the Bible as he was praying there. He said when he finished praying, he looks over at the man as he was driving down the road, looked over at the hitchhiker in his car, and he said, he said there was tears in his eyes. And he told Brother Dylan, he said, when I, before I got in this car, he said, I decided that whoever picked up, he said, and going into a little bit more detail here to understand, he said, my, my mother passed away and I had no way to get to where she was at to see her before she was buried. And he said, I determined in my mind and in my heart that the first person that picks me up, that I'm going to kill them, steal their car, drive to where my mom is so I could see her before she's buried. And he said he reached into his coat or his shirt or whatever and pulled out a gun and laid it on the Bible. And God did a miracle that day. Brother Dylan, understanding that he needed to get to where his mother was, he paid for a bus fare for that man to get to where his mother was at. And God worked a miracle. Talking about God is not boring. <laughs> there's no telling what might happen. But when we put our trust and faith in God, there, there's no telling what God will do. But when we get to that point of making a commitment to the Lord, God is He is consistently the same in His love for us. Uh, but He performs miracles, of course, we know differently as the need arises. You know, we might not ever hear about a miracle like that ever again. We might not ever experience a miracle like that again. But I, I know one thing, I, I, I've never heard of any other miracle within our churches of our organization that had a building uh, 
collapse uh, that was built in 1865 and a storm went north of us and, and made a U-turn and came back around and took the roof off and laid it in the middle of the street with a timely fashion where it was prophesied that in six to eight weeks we're going to be moved out of that building and it was six weeks and three days and we moved into this church and the Baptist church allowed us to come and worship uh, after their service and allowed us to use their instruments and allowed us to use this building and, and gave me an office here at the church, uh, a room to have an office in. What a miracle that God performed. I, I've never heard anything like that before. And I, I've never heard of, after we moved in, we had a, a, uh, a Christmas concert here and I was standing in here and heard a crash outside, walked out and there was a Toyota pickup, ran through our sign and they gave the insurance company gave us $10,000 for that sign where you could put it up for about $500. I, I've never heard of them kind of miracles exactly like that because God does things differently. He's not boring. And then a hailstorm comes and hits all of our buildings and tears all the roofs up and we get a, a, uh, a settlement out of that and we're able to put the roofs on uh, less than what we had received so that we were able to use some of the funds and remodel, of course, even remodeling this building. Miracles after miracles. I've never heard it like that before. God does things so differently than He does other uh, for other people. It's only dependent upon the need that is arising at that time. God has His own ways. His ways are far above our ways. But you see, when we get to that point, God is consistent with our lives. He loves us the same as He's always loved us. He loved us today in this service just like He loved us when we first came to Him and even when He created the heavens and the earth and knew that we would be in existence upon this earth. He knew us in our mother's womb and He knew us even before that time. He knew our name. He knew our feelings, our emotions. He understood everything about us. But God has been consistent. Amen. He's performed miracles as we need them. There is nothing boring about God. Every church service is different. Every day is a new day. Amen. God hasn't changed. I have changed toward Him at times, but He has never changed toward me. God hasn't walked away from me. If there is a strain in my relationship with God, it's with me, not God. I walked away from Him when He was searching for me. Amen. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever in the beginning and even before the time that this earth was created, God had His feelings and His love and His emotions, whatever He had as God, He still has them today and He still loves us. No matter if we turn and walk away from Him today, He still loves us. He still has mercy for us. He still has grace for us. Because God never changes. We change. Something has changed in me, either for the good or for the bad. Something's changed in us, either for the good or for the bad. Something's changed if our relationship becomes strained. It's not God. God's still the same. <laughs> yes, the same yesterday. And today and forever, Romans 8, 38 and 39, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. His love never changes. His mercy, it never changes. He's reaching. He's loving. He's caring. Relationship becomes strained because of me, not because of Him. In Psalms 139, 7-10, Whither shall I go from Thy Spirit, or whither shall I flee from Thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, Thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, 
Thou art there. Behold, uh, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. You see, God's love and His mercy and His compassion for us, it never fails us. It never leaves us. He's always there. He's constant day in and day out. He never changes. His love never changes. Never changes. But somewhere in Peter's life, he changed. He was committed. I'm not going to get offended. I'm not, I'll lay my life down for you, Jesus. But something changed there in his life. He made those commitments, but somewhere on the journey, something happened. Something crept in. The book of Mark, chapter 14, 66 through 71, talking about this experience Peter had when they were binding Jesus. And as Peter was beneath in the palace, they were trying Jesus at the palace. And there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. This is the one that made the commitment to lay his life down for Jesus. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean. And thy speech agreeeth there too. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. Something changed in you, Peter. From the point of your commitment, even that day, making a commitment that I'm not going to get offended, to the point of being accused and probably fear of his life, that he would be treated upon a cross like Jesus, he denied him. And he began to curse and swear. Here was Peter, the disciple of the Lord. I know not this man of whom you speak. He cursed and he swore. But Jesus wasn't to blame for that decision. Peter made and the depth that he went to. And when he got there, I'm sure that he probably questioned himself, as many of us do when we make wrong decisions. How did I ever even get to this low point in my life? And then it's so interesting in the book of Luke, in the same story, 22, 61-62, the Bible says, you know, and the Lord turned... And looked upon Peter. And can you imagine the feeling of the one that you love and you committed to took a look at you after you did these things? He gave you that look. And sometimes that look is harder to take than just a beating. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock, uh, before the cock crush out, deny me thrice. And that look of Jesus and remembering when the cock crowed, thou shalt deny me thrice. And then the Bible says in verse 62 of Luke 22 chapter, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. Another account in the book of Mark of this same event, 1472, Mark 1472. And the second time that the cock crew and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crowed twice, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And then some very valuable words were spoken here. Something that happened again that changed Peter back to where he needed to be. And Peter went out, or excuse me, and when he thought thereon, he wept. 
And when he thought thereon, he wept. The action that saved Peter was when he thought thereon and began to weep before God. He could have went on and denied the Lord. But that look of Jesus, when He looks you in the eye, and and that look comes through the preaching of the Word, the reading of the Word, the times in prayer, the worship to God, the relationship with God. You ever seen that look of God? That look that is not of evil. It's a look of love. I care about you. I believe that Jesus was not looking at Him to destroy Him. He was looking at Him to tell Him there is still hope for you, Peter. You've miserably failed. You've cursed. You've swore. You've denied. And you said that you were going... And you've lied because you said you were going to commit to Me. But yet that look of Jesus, when He looked into His eyes, it began to make Peter melt... And he thought thereon what he had done, and he wept. But that action of thinking thereon and weeping was the very thing that saved him. True, sincere repentance and a turning from sin will start the journey to save your soul from for eternity. Amen. The angel in the tomb of Jesus' resurrection gave special attention. Even after Peter had denied him, it gave special attention because it says here, and I know that it had to have been an order from the Lord, because the angels don't do anything that the Lord doesn't tell them to do. And in the book of Mark 16 and 17, it says, But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. There were twelve disciples. One of them had failed, which was Judas. But he pointed out specifically to Peter. And that is exactly what the Lord does. You know why? Because the Lord never changes. His love never fails. He continues to reach out in mercy and in grace and in love and compassion for us. His commitment to us never fails. When He says He's going to do it through His Word, He stands true to it. His love for us, if we fail miserably today or this morning or yesterday or this past week, I'm here to tell you that the look of God in our eyes is going to say to us, there is still hope for you. And He will point us out and give us special attention that I love you and I care about you. But there's something's changed in you, Peter, to make you make the wrong decision. But now something's changing again to get you back to where you need to be in God. You can't go around blaming God why you can't feel the Spirit of God. You can't go around blaming God because you don't want to come to the house of God. You can't go around blaming God because you don't pray. You know, when you consider all the blaming of God and the excuses that we make, we've got to blame somebody is our thinking as humans. But I'm here to tell you the reason why you might not feel God is because maybe you stop praying and you stop communicating with the One that you love and you stop reading His Word and 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 getting into His Word every day to give you instruction of how to walk with Him. And you pushed Him away and you walked away. You know, in the Song of Solomon, it, it, it talks about this love relationship that I am His and He is mine. And it talks about this closeness and this love that they're giving to one another. And then all of a sudden, something changed in the relationship. And it talks about that the small foxes spoil the vine. And, and, and when you consider this, it was a powerful, strong relationship but something changed in somebody to make them not want to be with the Lord like they normally do. And then we're blaming God for our relationship straining. No, it's because maybe you don't pray like you used to. Maybe you don't worship like you used to. You don't commit to God like you used to. You don't get in the Word like you used to. You don't... You know, you know, spend time with Him and communicate with Him. You know, you can't blame God for these things. You can only blame yourself because you backed up. You've allowed the small foxes to get in there to spoil the vine. These, and it says in Scripture that the grapes are tender. This relationship is tender. This relationship is important for us to cultivate it and keep it going. But you see, we can't blame God if we're struggling in our, in our relationship with Him and strained and we can't live for God like we did when we were a new convert. But I'm here to tell you that the Lord is looking into your eyes and He's saying to you, there is hope for you. And I'm going to give special attention to you if you'll just allow me to. 
Sometimes you let the small foxes get in. Sometimes you let other relationships get between you and God. Sometimes you allow other things and idols to get between you and God. And it strains the relationship. The Lord wants all of you, not part of you. He wants all of you. God gave Peter another chance in the book of Acts chapter 15 and 16 insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And there came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem bringing sick folks and them that were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed every one. Guess what? That was after the denial of Christ. That was after the swearing and the cursing and saying, I don't know Him. I don't know who He is. But when Jesus looked into His eyes and He thought thereon, He began to repent and wept. God, I'm sorry. I messed up. It's not you that has caused this. It's me. And when He found a place of repentance, from that point on, He's the one that stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached the message of Acts 2.38, salvation, because He had the keys to to the kingdom of God. Amen. He's the one that, in the third chapter of the book of Acts, He's the one that went to the temple for prayer, Peter and John, and there was a man that was lame, and, and he said, Silver and gold such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And he got up and walked, and a miracle took place. And, and, and he's the one that cursed and said, I deny him. I don't even know him. But the Lord never changes. We are the one that change. Relationship strains because of our choices, not his. His choices is for there to be life and life more abundantly. His desire is for us to come to a place of repentance, not a place of destruction and destroying us. God hasn't changed. His love remains the same. Something has changed in me, not in God. Prayer time has been non-existent. Communication with the one I love has changed to someone else instead of to God. And that's the reason why a relationship and your spiritual walk with God would strain here and you're wondering why why God is treating you the way He's treating you is because He's been reaching out to you and there's been division that you brought on yourself. Small foxes spoil the vine. Small foxes. It's Jesus that leaves the 99 and goes after the one that is lost. He is the one that searches for me when I keep running from Him. How did I ever get here? Something has changed in me. But when we come to that point of realizing and thinking about that and weeping before the Lord that, God, I'm the one that messed this up. And I'm going to recommit myself to you again. That's when everything changes. Everything changes. I can get back there by taking the step of sincere repentance. I can get back there, but it takes us when Jesus is looking into our eye and we look into His eye. It wasn't a, a feeling. You know, when you look at somebody, you could it, that, that stare, there's a feeling. I remember there's times that my mom and dad would look at me when I was acting up when I was a kid. They didn't have to say a word. They just looked at me. But there was a, a whole paragraph of messages going back and forth. But when Jesus looks into our eye, after we've failed Him royally, He's looking into our eye saying to us with that message of that look, there is hope. And that relationship can be restored and refreshed and new commitments can be made to the Lord. So, what the Lord is trying to tell us here today if your walk with God is struggling don't blame God for it he's always been there reaching loving 
caring, merciful, gracious. That is never end because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Realize as we come to ourselves that look of God opens up our understanding that hey I need to get right with God these changes in my life need to not continue to go to the bad these changes in my life need to go to restoring my relationship with God I don't know what all is happening but I know that God is reaching he's reaching because he wants a stronger relationship with us than we've ever had before he's reaching he's looking on us because we're the apple of his eye His creation that He gave His life for. But when we begin to realize, God, I'm sorry, something's happened within me to cause this, and I've got to get it fixed. And we begin to weep before God. Tears run down our face. We begin to cry out to the Lord. What you're going to find is He's never changed. He's still loving and compassionate, merciful and gracious. Because He's still the same as He was when we first met Him. He gave His life for us and His desire is to restore relationship and not allow these other things to come between you and God. Deception ungodly things, sinful things. But God wants to restore that experience in Him and the Spirit. He wants to restore a place in Him to where you can feel the presence of God freely. I'd like for us to stand. I can get back there by taking that step of sincere repentance. I can get back there realizing I can't make it without Him. I can get back there knowing that God's love will always be there. It never changes. God is reaching and ministering here today. And I'm going to open up this altar here today that I know every one of us, no matter what level we're at in God, we might be at our mountaintop today or we might be at the lowest, lowest depth wondering how in the world I got here. But I'm going to tell you, whatever level we're at today, we need God. We can't live without Him. We cannot survive without Him. No matter what level we're at, we need to have a time where we just come to ourselves and we come to Him at an altar somewhere and begin to weep. And let me say this also, that the only way you can truly keep your relationship with God strong is you gotta, you've got to communicate with Him. You've got to pray. You've got to talk to Him. You've got to get into His Word. You've got to get into the things that He loves. And you've you got you to grow in those relationships. The things God loves is what we need to love. But it's an everyday event. That's the reason why in the Old Testament the manna was something you couldn't build up for like a week of manna. You had to go every day to get what you needed. A fresh touch of manna. And it's the same thing with us. We need a fresh touch from God every day. Fresh touch. But I'm going to open these altars up. we got to think about where we're at and weep before God and say, God, whatever's there, remove it so I can be strong in you. The altar's open. If you want to come, we need God. We cannot make it without Him. We cannot survive without Him. Oh God, I need 